you have your Bible this morning, go to the book of John, chapter number 5. And when you find John 5, find also John chapter 15. John chapter 5 and John chapter number 15. And as we have begun a new year with this theme of draw near, I want to begin a sermon series this month entitled Draw Near Through His Word. Draw near through His Word. And did you know that God wants to have a relationship with you through His Word? He wants you to get to know Him through His Word. And I'll tell you, uh, if, if that's what you desire, is to know God, you must have and read and study and meditate upon the truth of God's Word. And uh, we're going to expound upon that just a little bit today, and I pray and trust that this message will be not just instructive, but will be transformative in your life, and that it will make a real and profound difference. In John chapter 5 and verse number 39, Jesus is speaking here, and He says, Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So here, Jesus is saying that the Scriptures testify of Him. We could say that the Bible is the testimony of Jesus. Could we not? And absolutely, it reveals Jesus to us. And now if you're there in John chapter 15, would you look with me please at verse number 26. And here the Bible says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of Me. So here we discover that not only will the Scriptures testify of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, will testify of Jesus. And so, let me say this to you, that these are not adjunct to each other, they are complementary and they work together. They are inextricably linked. The Spirit of truth the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. This morning I want to bring you a message entitled, The Spirit of Truth. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, open the eyes of our spiritual understanding that we may see. And Lord, create an appetite for You within us. And may we satisfy that as we eat and drink deeply from this manna from heaven, from the Word of God from the living water. Oh God, I pray that You would have Your will and way in every heart. For this we ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. When I was in college, uh, there were many classes that I took that were very difficult. Uh, I remember taking in my sophomore year a class uh, taught by Dr. Eli Haru. He's with the Lord now. He died at the age of 98. Uh, but Dr. Haru... Um, he, he was a great Bible professor, but I have to tell you, he had a real sing-songy voice. He, and it seemed to me like when I was in college, he was almost 100 then. But uh, when he taught, he taught like this, and the rebellion at Korah, and the gainsaying of Korah, and Korah, and Athan, and Abiram. And, and you know, listen, I, I worked till 1 o'clock in the morning, and then I normally slept for about three and a half or four hours if I was fortunate and drove an hour minimum one way to school and had a 7.30 class. And the first three hours uh, of, of my Monday morning was uh, sitting in Dr. Haru's class. And I'm telling you, it was tough. After about 15 minutes of... You know, I, I, uh, I, I was normally just... Yeah, you know, and uh, sometimes it was just, I, I would, 
I was in an auditorium setting. I wasn't sitting at a desk. I'd have a briefcase in my lap and I'd have my notebook out on the briefcase. And at one time I, I was sitting there in the chair and I was taking notes and I had my notebook out on my briefcase and I didn't have my briefcase locked. And inside my briefcase were all my papers and notebooks for all my different classes. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I fell asleep on the top of my briefcase like this. And how many of you are like me? Sometimes when you fall asleep in a place like that, you twitch. Anybody? <laughs> you have those involuntary spasms or something. I remember I went just like this. I went like that. Just, just you know. And, and my briefcase fell on the floor. All the papers were everywhere. Scattered all over the floor of that auditorium. I'm crawling around on my hands and knees trying to pick up all these papers and, uh, and put them back in my briefcase. And then I got it all together. I got my notebook out. I started to take notes and fell asleep. The same thing happened all over again. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to uh, get my things and go, <laughs> go lay down in the car until fourth period. You know, the fact is, um, that was a hard class for me just simply because I was having a hard time staying awake. But I remember one year in that class, we uh, had an exam. It was a long exam, and I needed to do well. And I think that he knew every, there were a lot of people in that class that were struggling a little bit. So it was typed out several pages, and at the very beginning when he handed out the exam, he said, now I want to tell you, read the exam all the way through before you begin. Okay, here's my instructions, read the exam all the way through, look it over from beginning to end before you begin. Okay. And so I'm sitting there, and man, I'm digging in. I put my name on there, and I'm, I am just sweating the load. I'm thinking, I've got to get a good grade on this to pass this class. I don't want to have to take it in summer school. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm just I'm sweating the load, and looking, I'm looking around me thinking, man, these people are smart. They, the, the class was almost empty. People, I'm, I'm like, maybe I didn't study hard enough, or I studied the wrong thing. I don't know, you know. And uh, I got to the very end, and I'd done my best on all the essay questions and everything, and, and uh, the, the period was almost over, and I got to the last sentence on the exam, and it said, if you have read this exam, put your name on the top, and turn it in, you don't have to take the test. You, you know what? Listen, I dreamed about everything I could have done during that two hours that I sweated the load in the history of Israel exam and I didn't have to take the test and I didn't know it because I didn't read it. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. There is a treasure trove of wonders that you will experience with God and you don't even know about it because you haven't read the book. The fact is today that we're missing out on so much. You know what we try to satisfy ourselves with? Good books. I'm all for good books, aren't you? I, I love to read a good book, and I, and I read often, and I have many books. I have so many books, I don't have shelf, enough, shelf space enough to put them all up. And uh, I have Brother Hilmer's library. I'm trying to figure out where to put it up, because so many good books in it, I want to be able to see and utilize. But you know, the fact is that those good books are not a substitute for the book of books, the Bible. Today, there are too many people that are trying to have a relationship with God through Google. They're trying to have a relationship with God through the Internet and not through the Word of God. And in reality, we are missing out on something and we must understand that God calls us to draw near through His Word and we realize that the Scriptures testify of Jesus and the Spirit of truth testifies of Jesus. So, this is an indicator that the Spirit of truth provides for us to know the Lord in a richer, fuller fashion through His Word. Without the ministry of the Holy Spirit from the Word of God, we would never be able to draw near to God. 
we simply cannot draw near without the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. We can spend time there, but we are no further advanced in our pursuit of God because we have not the Holy Spirit. Our intellect and human understanding will ultimately fail us. We must have the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit from the supernatural Word of God. And I think it is important for us to consider the ministry of the Spirit of Truth as He, from the platform of the Word of God, enables us to draw near to God. There are truths revealed that the Spirit of the living God will open your eyes to, to help you go to a place in your relationship with God apart from which you never could. When I was dating Linda, we would uh, keep a journal. And she had a journal and I would have a journal and we were in a long distance relationship and we'd write every day about what the Lord was doing in our lives and we'd write about uh, our days and, and, and then when we get together, we'd exchange those journals. And man, I looked so forward to reading what God was doing in her life. You know why? It gave me an insight into her heart. I felt like I drew closer to her as I read the journaling and the, the things that God was opening her eyes to. I felt like it caused me to fall more deeply in love with her. And may I say to you that God wants you to look into His Word and fall more deeply in love with Him. To understand more about the heart of God. And the Holy Spirit of God will lead you there. My friend, as we consider the Spirit of truth, which is the Comforter of God, or the Holy Spirit, if you would, I want you to notice with me the promise of the Comforter. The promise of the Comforter. Jesus promised that He would send a Comforter. Now, I want to tell you that in John chapter 14, we read of this, and it says in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another, what? Comforter, that He may abide with you for how long? Forever. That should tell you something right there about the Comforter. Alright? If He's going to abide forever, that means that He is eternal, uh, that He is divine. So, we're not talking about some uh, phantom or some force or uh, something out in the cosmos that is abstract and nondescript. We're talking about a person who is the Comforter, and in verse 17, even the what? Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, I want to say this. Jesus here gave the promise of a Comforter, and this came at a time of great discomfort for the disciples. For they had just come to full terms with the news that Jesus had given that He was going to die the death of crucifixion. And upon them learning that, the Lord knowing that they were discomforted, that they were really upset, He said in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And, and uh, Philip saith unto him, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in that same chapter that Jesus is using to provide comfort to hurting disciples, He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. It must have been sweet news to the ears of those that were worried about losing their, their Savior that they had followed for so long. That He would send them this one and that He would abide with them. Imagine that the Lord God desires to abide with us. I just can't get over what Jesus said there 
If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He wants to be with us. I love that verse in Revelation that says the tabernacle of God is with men. God wants to live with us. He wants to tabernacle with us. And, and it doesn't say building there because, listen, God is not able to be confined in one space or, or place. He's infinite and vast, but He wants to tabernacle with you. He wants to dwell with you. And here, the comforter that Jesus would send would take up residency within us. And you know as I do that the Bible says that our bodies, if we're saved, are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That means that God lives within us by His Holy Spirit. And so we see that He would come to abide with us. And by the way, every true believer in Jesus Christ has the Spirit within them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9, that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so, listen, non-believers don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't understand the things of God because He's not in them. But you who have trusted Christ as Savior, at the moment of your conversion, God by His Spirit came to live within you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into Christ. And it's talking about a spiritual baptism. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. And He said, To abide with you for how long? Forever. Does that not sound like what Jesus said? That I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Certainly we find that every part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, is a complement to the ministry of the One who is truth itself, Jesus Christ. You think about this. Jesus said, okay, I'm the way. You know what the Holy Spirit says? <laughs> Let me lead you in the way. Right? I'm the truth. You know the name of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of Truth. Okay, I'm the life. And the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, the agent of the regeneration that occurs at the new birth is none other than the Holy Spirit of God Himself who quickens us by the power of God and brings us to life. And so, Jesus is the way. The Spirit leads us in the way. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and Jesus is the life, and the Holy Spirit is the power of God to quicken us and give us the life of God at the moment of salvation. They work together like a hand in a glove. And so what we find is that Jesus gave the promise that this Comforter would come. And as we get to know Him, we get to know more about Jesus because His ministry is to testify of Jesus, to testify of Jesus. The story is told that uh, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon had a lady in his congregation that uh, said that she wanted to know Jesus uh, in His fullness and that she felt so impressed uh, of, of, of God to, to uh, know Him in His fullness and to uh, know more of, the, of, of each person of the, of the uh, Trinity. And so she went away and she said, I'm going to draw close... To the Holy Spirit. I want to be intimate with the Holy Spirit of God. And so she went away to a prayer uh, retreat and she spent time with God in the Word and in prayer. And when she came back, she saw Dr. Spurgeon and Pastor Spurgeon and, and he said, how did the retreat go? And she said, you know, the reality is I went there with the whole idea of, of really getting intimate with the Holy Spirit. And I don't feel like that was really accomplished. She said, I feel like I fell more deeply in love with Jesus and I learned more of Him. And Mr. Spurgeon said, I think you were successful because the work of the Spirit is to testify of Jesus. Testify of Jesus. And so, He is the Spirit of truth. Notice with me, secondly, the platform of the Comforter. The platform. You say, well, you're standing on the platform. Is the Holy Spirit. I hope the Holy Spirit is on this platform today. I'd hate to be by myself up here. That's for sure. It's a sinking feeling. Over the last 40 years, I am certain that there are times where I've 
uh, stood on a platform in the presence of the Almighty and with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And there are times when I haven't. In 40 years, uh, you know, there's been a few times. And i got to tell you something. I'm not talking about a platform made of wood. I'm talking about that which is the basis upon which He accomplishes His work. In John chapter 14, would you notice in verse 17 what it says? It says, even the Spirit of what? Truth. He's the Spirit of truth. In verse 26, the Bible there says in chapter 14, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So He's going to teach us what Jesus said. God's Word, and bring it to our remembrance. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 26. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the what? Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Look at chapter 16 and verse number 13. How be it when he, the what? Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into what? All truth. Look at chapter 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, I think that we have seen here that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The comforter is the spirit of truth. And he works solely from the platform of the Word of God. He does everything that He does in your life according to truth. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit does everything that He does in your life according to truth. He does not do it according to how you feel today. He does not do it according to what you may have read in a book, or what you saw on YouTube, or what you saw on Daystar or TBN. He does it according to the truth of thus saith the Lord. And so consequently, we know from a study of the Word of God and what the Bible reveals here about the Holy Spirit is that He would have to deny who He is to lead someone to do something contrary to Scripture. God's Comforter, the Holy Spirit, would have to deny His own divinity and who He is. He is in essence the Spirit of truth. Okay, He would have to deny who He is in order to lead someone to do something contrary to the truth. Through the years I've had many people say, Pastor, I feel the Lord is leading me. The Spirit is leading me to do this or to do that. And as I look at what it is that they're planning to do, I've had to conclude that it wasn't the spirit of truth that was leading them there. It was the spirit of Antichrist. Because what they were about to do was something that was counter to truth. And so understand this, that the spirit of Antichrist has a purpose and plan for your life, and he wants to lead you there. And the spirit of Christ has a purpose and plan for your life, and He wants to lead you there, and He will through the GPS that God has given, the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, who is uh, our, our Siri, I guess, who reads the truth to us so that we know which way to go. And so understand t t today that the platform upon which God's Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth works, is the Word of God. Okay, I want to say that there needs to be some times in your life where you can take a Bible and you can give a defense of what it is that you're doing based upon truth. Not based upon, well, this is how I think, or this is what I feel, or this is what someone said one time. Listen, I don't want to be that kind of person in a church setting that says, well, this is just the way we've always done it. You know, kind of like the uh, uh, the lady who was 
working in the kitchen. She she got married. She's working in the kitchen with her mother, and and they were fixing dinner for the family. And and uh, she saw her mom cut the roast in half, and she said, "Mom, why do you always cut the roast in half?" And the mom thought, laughed for a minute, and said, "I guess it's because I never had a a roasting pan big enough for the whole roast." She said, "Well, mom." The pan's plenty big now. You don't have to cut it in half. Well, this is just the way I've always done it, sweetie. You know, the fact is that sometimes we do things because that's just the way we've always done it. The motions of our flesh have kind of placed grooves in our lives like grooves on an LP. Some of you know what that is. Some of you are old enough to... How many of you know what an LP is? All right. And uh, it's grooved it to where this is just the way we go. Right? And that's the, that's the term the Bible uses, the motions of the flesh. They become default mechanisms to us, and sometimes it's not the Holy Spirit that's leading us there, it's just the impulses of our flesh. I uh, years ago got a letter from a lady who was taking issue with me having a workers and officers covenant. And, you know, I was just impressed by the fact that if we were going to have someone teaching first and second graders on Sunday morning that they shouldn't be sitting in a bar on Saturday night. Can I get a witness? Some of you agree with me on that, don't you? That, uh, that if you want someone to be a role model in your kid's life, that they should probably live up to a standard that those kids would look up to and seek to emulate. Amen? And, and, and by the way, I, I, could, I could bear it all out through the Scriptures. I was being, I was praying, Lord, lead me to set this up to where we understand we're calling people into a covenant relationship. We're not setting ourselves up as, as legalists and Nazis trying to, uh, you know, legislate every aspect of every person's life. But we, we want people to understand that spiritual leadership, even if you're leading kindergartners, means that uh, we're going to live according to a certain guide and rule. And not so God will accept us, but so that we can be the kind of leaders to these kids that God is calling us to be. Amen? How many of you understand that? Okay? And so I got someone that was really upset with me about it. They thought, you know, how dare you think that, uh, you know, I'm this or that. You don't even know me. This is disrespectful. I've been a member here for years, and now you're trying to put this on me and, and all these things. And, 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 and I tried to have the conversation and say, well, what, what I need for you to understand is, I know you and I trust you. But a prospective member with kids doesn't know you. And so when they come here, they need to understand that we've all agreed to walk by the same standard. And that they can trust their kids with you. And that if you're teaching their kids on Sunday morning, you weren't in a bar all night on Saturday night. Okay? That you weren't out living like the devil on Saturday and then trying to teach them about Jesus on Sunday. Right? And so, does that make any sense to you? And so anyway, we tried to roll this thing out and I got this letter. And it was a long letter by email. And it was an epistle, really. And I read it and I just scratched my head and I just thought, oh my. And I printed it out and I got a highlighting pen. And... I highlighted every place where it said, I think, what I think, what I feel. I highlighted every time it said, I feel, and I highlighted every time it said, I think. You know, it was almost on every line. Either I think or I feel. And you know, I, I called the person. I said, could we sit down and talk? So we met. And I said, I respect what you think and what you feel. But what is important is not what you feel. And what is important is not what you think. What is important is what God says. What do you believe on the basis of what God says? You know, there are things that I read in this Bible that don't make me feel good. Right? And there are things in this Bible that I think are tough. Right? How about you? You with me on this? But what I think and what I feel does not 
change my responsibility to the truth. Does that make any sense to you? And so realize that the platform upon which the Holy Spirit of God works in my life is the Word of God, and He will never lead me, either by feelings or thoughts, to do one single thing that is contrary to the revealed Word of God. Now understand, not only the promise of the Comforter and the platform, which is the Word of God, but understand the power of the Comforter, the power. The Bible says, in the words written in red in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, But ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And Jesus was talking about that time when the Spirit of God would come at Pentecost in great power. And my friends, I want you to know, we don't need to be looking for our Pentecostal experience. What we need to understand is that we received all of the Holy Spirit that we would ever get the very instant that we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior and were baptized by His Spirit into Christ. And He came to dwell inside of me. And now He empowers me for life and for service unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we might ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, and that is none other than the power of Almighty God manifested in the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so we understand that He possesses all power. And I want you to just... Take mental note of these things because this is all going to come home when we deal with our next point. But it tells us something about who this is that we're dealing with. You see, by the power able to live the Christ life. It is not by the power of man. It's not by your own efforts. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that we live. I'm going to just make a statement to you. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. How many of you know this one? Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but who? Christ liveth in me. I thought you said, Pastor, that the Holy Spirit lived in me. Is it Christ or is it the Holy Spirit? Which is it? The answer is yes, right? It's the Spirit of Christ that liveth in me. Okay? And so... Christ lives in me. And what does the Spirit of Christ do? Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, who produces faith in my life? And it's the faith of the Son of God. Well, in that same book, three chapters later, it says this. For the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, temperance, faith. Faith is produced in my life by the Holy Spirit. In that verse, it says, "I live by the faith of the Son of God." Who's the Son of God? Jesus, Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of Christ that produces faith within me. Okay, and so look. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So the Holy Spirit is what I sometimes refer to as the agent of the Christ life. In other words, He's the one that enables me to live out the life that Jesus so desires for me to live. Him living out His life in such a way that these are His hands extended to again saying, a needy world. That this is His heart reaching out to a lost and dying world. These are His eyes seeing with compassion and love. This is His mouth proclaiming the truth that Jesus saves. And so that happens as I yield myself to the Spirit of Christ within me. He's the agent of the Christ life. And it is He that is living it through me. It is He that is producing in me and through me that which Jesus is calling me by His grace to do. And so I understand the power that He gives me is the power to live the life of God. But understand this, if you will please, 
We notice here not only the power of the Comforter, but the person of the Comforter. And, and, and I'm, I think we need to look at words. Are you with me? Say Amen. Okay, we need to look at words. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Notice that Jesus didn't say that it will abide with you forever. There are people that think somehow that uh, because uh, one of the Greek words for uh, a spirit is phantom, that, that somehow it's a ghost of some sort. And there are many that have felt like that. Or that it was just some uh, creature uh, that uh, you know, had this power. No, listen, it's not that. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity and therefore is divine. He is a person... And let me say that this person can be grieved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Grieve not the Spirit of God. Grieve not the Spirit of God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 19, Quench not the Spirit. He's a person that can be grieved. He's a person that can be quenched. Jesus said, He will abide with you forever. He gave testimony to the fact that He is a person, the third person of the Trinity, and that He possesses all of the attributes of God. So, the Holy Spirit... <laughs> I know, we're, we're, getting, we're getting deep, folks. I understand. You know, it would be better if this was on YouTube and we had kind of a sound stage up here and everybody was laughing and it was funny. But you know what? You're going to go out of here and you're going to feel like, wow. And I've taken a bath in the Word of God today. Amen? And, uh, and look, we understand that the Holy Spirit is a manifestation of the power of God. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But what did He tell the disciples in Acts 1.8? Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It is, according to Ephesians 3.20, the power that worketh in us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, what is the uh, exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead? It's the power of God manifested in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful, right? Now, when Barbie goes home today, the Holy Spirit is living in her. Okay? And, and I see that evidence in her life. So guess what? The Spirit of God is at her house. But guess where else He is? He's at Pastor Pack's house because the Spirit of God is in him. But guess where else he is? He's at Roland's house because the Spirit of God is in him. So guess what? He's omnipresent. What does that make him? God. Right? According to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, He even knows your thoughts. And when you can't even phrase a prayer to God because your thoughts are so jumbled and confused, He who knows your thoughts prays for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so guess what? He is omniscient. What does that make Him? God. Right? Yeah. You go back to Genesis chapter 1 and find out that the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. Guess what? He was present at creation. Guess what that makes Him? God. Let's look at His name, alright? We call Him the Holy Spirit. What does the term holy indicate to us? He's God. He's God. So when we consider the person of the Holy Spirit, no, He's God. Now, I know this is just a primer. I hope it will whet your appetite to dig a little bit deeper. But understand that this person possesses all of the attributes of God and His very name indicates that He is the possessor of the moral attribute of holiness which belongs to God and God alone. When the Lord comes, there will be something written on His thigh. Holiness to the Lord. It belongs to God and God alone. So, what's His job? What is the purpose of the Comforter? I'm glad you asked me that. I'm going to move very quickly through this list. In John chapter 14, He is our Comforter. 
And by the way, we can, like John the Apostle, place our head upon Jesus' breast and we can imbibe of His Spirit. We can fall in love with Him. We can follow Him. We can write about Him. Uh, we can speak about Him. We can love Him. We can serve Him. Draw close to Jesus. But may I say to you that this Comforter invites us into that and He is the Spirit of Jesus. When Jesus said, I will pray the Father and He will send you another Comforter, we discover something in... Um, he, he said uh, in, in chapter 14... I will pray the Father and He will give you another comforter. There are two Greek words used to give us the word another. One is the word heteros, which means uh, another of a different kind. And there is, in this case, the Greek word alos, which means another of the exact same kind. So what is Jesus saying? He's going to give you my spirit. That's what he's saying. Okay? And so, what is Jesus? Well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He's going to comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. The Holy Spirit said, I'll abide with you forever. You see, they work in perfect synchronicity and harmony to accomplish the purpose of God. He is the Spirit of the living Christ who will comfort us in all our distress. Not only that, we find that we're called in Galatians 5, verses 16 to 18, to be led of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth, and He will enable you to be led of His impulses based upon the truth of the Word of God to do that which is right. He will guide you. He will teach us according to Romans chapter 14, or John chapter 14 and verse 26. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever. I've said unto you, Jesus said He will teach you. He will convict you according to John chapter 16. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, uh, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The word reprove there is the Greek root pick, which means to prick or to convict. That word reprove means He will convict us of what? Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the threefold work of the Holy Spirit in our conversion, is to convince us of our sinful condition. Of the absolute inability of man to attain righteousness and the absolute righteousness of Jesus in paying the price in full for our sin and of judgment. That there is judgment to follow if we reject the righteous sacrifice of Calvary. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to convince us of. And that's when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and look... It's a wonderful thing. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that we must be born of water and of the Spirit. Right? A lot of people say, well, there you go. That's water baptism. No, it's not. It's the water of the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy Word. Uh, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the Word. In John chapter 1, Jesus is the living Word. In John chapter 4, Jesus is the living water. And so understand this. Being born again by water and of the Spirit is this. The truth of the Word of God brought home by the power of the Holy Spirit, convicting us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when we come to this, then we are at a place where God's regenerative work can make us alive again. And we experience what Jesus said was the new birth, whereby we must be born again. And my friends, understand that His job is to convict us. And by the way, He doesn't stop once we're saved. How many of you know that? How many of you have ever been convicted? Some of you are like, how about today? Right? 
He'll convict us. He will empower us. You receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. He will sanctify us. He's the one that does the work of transforming us and renewing us according to how God desires for us to live, being formed in the image of Jesus Christ. That's His ultimate plan for you. He will secure you. By the way, the Bible says, uh, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us there in verse number 12 that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. We are kept according to 1 Peter 1.5 by the power of God and the Holy Spirit is the power of God made manifest and He will keep us saved. It is not you. My friend, you can't keep yourself saved. You didn't do anything to get yourself saved. Somehow, people have this mistaken idea that God has saved me. Now, I can't do anything bad wrong or I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to make it. Well, folks, number one, that's not in the Bible. Number two, you're doing a tremendous disservice to the doctrine of the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit of God whose task it is that once you are saved to secure you forever. So do you want to trust in your ability to keep from sinning or the Holy Spirit's power to keep you saved? What's it going to be? (laughs) I think I'll trust God, right? Because you know what? Every year it seems like I make this resolution that I'm going to lose weight. Can I get a witness up in here today? How many of you are with me on that? Going to lose some weight. I'm going to get back in shape, all right? Uh, we, went, uh, we went up to Flagstaff and had a, a snowball fight on New Year's Day with everybody. And, uh, and uh, you know, up at that altitude, I was getting a little winded running around in the woods, right? And I'm thinking, well, i got to get in shape, right? i got to lose a little weight. And, and, and you know what? I start out with all the determination in the world. And, you know, then we stop off at, at, at Anthem and I buy a, a big bucket of cookies on the way home. And it proves that the Bible is true when Jesus said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation, for truly the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> so you want to trust your weak flesh or you want to trust the power of Almighty God to secure you. We're kept by the power of God. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you, through the years, there's people that are Pentecostal and assemblies of God that have looked down their pharisaical noses at Baptists and called that teaching, which is eternal security, the damnable doctrine of the Baptists. That that's going to damn your soul to hell because you believe in once saved, always saved. No, I believe that once Jesus declared it, It was so forever. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven, and I'm not kept by the power of Mark. I am kept by the power of Almighty God. Wow. The Holy Spirit's in agreement with me today. Listen. And what does He do? He intercedes for us. He prays for us with a groaning which cannot be uttered. I'm going to tell you ultimately, the ministry of the Spirit of Truth testifies of Jesus. It draws us nearer to our Savior and He does it through the Word. Through the Word. I cannot tell you over the last year how many times I faced a moment of difficulty and you have too. I'm not alone. We've done it together, haven't we? And there have been times where my heart was just torn apart. And where I I just... I didn't even know what to say or do sometimes. Have you been there? Just distressed, concerned. And I opened this book. And God showed me something. And the Spirit of God, when I opened it, turned the lights on. And I began to see my Savior in a brand new way wasn't new truth, but I saw it in a light that I needed to see it in that day by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It made me fall more deeply in love with God. It made me have a greater admiration and awe of my Father in Heaven. To know that I could run to Him and cry, Abba, Father. And It's an amazing thing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, uh, Romans chapter 8, 
that God has sent forth His Spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know what that Holy Spirit is doing? He's helping us draw near. You know how He does it? With this book. I was trying to get a great grade. I could have got 100%. But I didn't read the test. And I anguished. And what was graded didn't come up to 100. If I would have just read the test, signed it and turned it in, it was an instant 100. I've often thought, you know, if things would have been different when I had to retake that class in summer school. You know, if you ever want those credits to transfer, you've got to have a C or better, you know what I'm saying? So I retook it in summer school. Listen, folks, you're missing out on comfort. You're missing out on a depth of life, on the wonders of God, the love that He wants to enjoy and share with you because we have missed discovering it through the ministry of the Spirit of Truth using the Word of Truth in our lives. Today, I'm standing before you encouraging you to draw near through His Word and understand that the Holy Spirit of God is right in the midst leading you ever nearer, ever closer to the One that loves you. Don't pass it by. Read to the end of the test. You'll be glad that you did.